Welcome to About Scripture, a podcast designed to take the listener deeper into Scripture and biblical thought. And now, welcome to the podcast. Everybody knew that Joseph was the favorite son. Joseph knew it. The father knew it. The brothers knew it. It could not be hidden because of that stupid coat daddy had given Joseph. The brothers hated Joseph because he's a tattletale. Genesis 37 verse 2 says that Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers. And they hated him because of those dreams. Genesis 37 tells us that Joseph had a couple of dreams. One dream had... Uh, and Joseph volunteers to tell his brothers about these dreams. He says that in the night, he dreamed that all of the brothers had these sheaves of grain and that all the brothers' sheaves bowed down to Joseph's sheaf of grain. And the brothers respond, this is in verse 8, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. And then Joseph, now, look, Joseph is a 17-year-old kid at this point, so says the beginning of this chapter. We can expect a 17-year-old kid is going to be an idiot. Most 17-year-olds are. And this 17-year-old is no exception. He has another dream, and he thinks, hey, I've got a good idea. I'm going to tell my brothers about this dream also. And this dream is sort of the same point. He's got the, he sees the sun and the moon, and then there are 11 stars. And he says, all of those heavenly bodies bowed down to me. Everybody who hears Joseph talk about this dream, they're pretty quick on understanding what the implication of the dream is, that Jacob is even in on it. He's there, and he hears it, and he says, "Now, now, wait a second. Are you saying that I and your mother and 11 brothers are all going to be bowing down to you? Even Jacob is dubious of this dream that Joseph has had. Of course, well might he be dubious. The moon, Joseph's mama, she's been dead for some time now. So it's a little hard to know how this dream could be literally fulfilled, but it certainly ties in to the previous dream and leads those brothers to hate him even more. We read, in verse 11, so his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind, a statement reminiscent to us of Luke 2.19. And so the, the brothers hated Joseph, and, and they, had, they had reason to hate him. And they're... they're thinking of this dream, and no doubt they're wondering. They're not only thinking that that dream gets under their skin, but they're wondering, 
could those dreams actually turn out to be true? Could the youngest son actually turn out to be the one who reigns over us all? It's not unheard of. Now, as we uh, Americans uh, think about the way, uh, you know, uh, traditional societies work or monarchy works, the, the one that probably comes most readily to mind is the British royalty and I don't know a whole lot about the rules of British royalty, but it seems like the way that works is that the oldest male child is actually the one that takes the throne, unless there's an abdication or announcing of something. It is actually the case that the oldest, and so what is it, William is the heir to the throne, and once he has kids, which he has had, sons, I suppose Harry found it, his position so useless that he got out of the job completely because he was not going to, he's not in the line. That's not all the ways the way it works. And in antiquity, that wasn't always the way it works. It wasn't always the case that the oldest one always got the job or was always the heir. Let me give you an example outside the Bible. This is the Persian Empire. There was this king named Darius the Great. Now, he is, I think, mentioned maybe a few times in the Bible, especially in the book of Ezra. You might say Darius, by the way, I say Darius, whatever. But Darius the Great, he came to the throne uh, about 521 BC, and he had a son named Xerxes, or at least in Greek sources, he's called Xerxes. In the Bible, this same guy is called Ahasuerus. It's the, the Hebrew is Ahasuerus, the, the Greek is Xerxes. We know this guy is Esther's husband. He's also mentioned a few other times in the Bible. Xerxes was the heir of Darius the Great. Xerxes was not the oldest son of Darius the Great. He was the oldest, he was the firstborn son of Darius the Great after Darius became king of the Persian Empire. But Darius had already had sons before that. He did not, Darius did not appoint his oldest son as the heir to the throne. Darius is the one that made this decision, and he picked out the son he wanted, wasn't his firstborn. So this kind of thing happens. In antiquity, this kind of thing happened. In fact, in the Bible, this kind of thing happened. We know the, the most famous king in ancient Israel is this guy named David. Was he the oldest son in his family? He was the youngest son in his family. The guy that took over from David, you remember that guy's name? His name was Solomon. Was he the oldest son of, Saul, of David? He was not. So it's not completely far-fetched. If the brothers are hearing these dreams, and if they are worried that those dreams might actually turn out to be true, it's not completely far-fetched of them to worry something like that. In fact, before this point, I've given you examples after the time of the brothers and Joseph, but before this point, can we think of examples when the youngest son became the heir? We can. In fact, that would be daddy. Jacob was not the oldest son, and yet he took the birthright. And granddaddy, Isaac, who was also the younger son of Abraham, and yet he took, he was the heir. So the brothers are no doubt 
worried that Joseph Joseph's dreams might actually come true, maybe not even because they were implanted in him by a divine being, but because Joseph and everybody else knows that Joseph is the favorite child and he's just dreaming about that time when he's going to take over now. Maybe even that they're thinking, and Joseph might be thinking this as well, and Jacob may have intended it this way, that stupid coat that Joseph loves wearing around might even be the sign that he's the heir, that jo Jacob has already designated him. This is the one who's going to take over the family business when I'm gone. Of course, we know how the story plays out. We know what comes next, and we know that the dreams do, in fact, come true in a way. And as we think about how Joseph's brothers are interpreting those dreams, and we compare them to the way the, the dreams actually played out in the life of Joseph and those brothers, we can see that, you know, Joseph's brothers are actually they're misinterpreting how the dreams would play out. No doubt they're thinking about Joseph as the ruler over them as, as some form of domination, that Joseph is going to enslave his brothers. And we might remember the blessing that their grandfather Isaac had pronounced on their father Jacob that blessing which came with the provision that Jacob's brothers would serve him, be his slaves. And we might think, well, Joseph's brothers are probably interpreting the dreams in that way, that jo once Joseph takes over the family business, we are going to be enslaved to Joseph. And as we actually know how the dreams turn out, that's, that's not what it is, is, is it? Joseph does, in fact, rule over the brothers, and the brothers do appear before Joseph at one point and bow down before him. And what, do they, what does Joseph do? He feeds them, cares for them, saves their lives. But then we also think, if Joseph hadn't had the dreams and hadn't been so stupid as to announce the dreams to his brothers, would the dreams have come about? Would they have been fulfilled? Because it was the dreams that probably pushed the brothers over the edge to instigate the series of actions that would lead to the fulfillment of the dreams. Jacob sends the brothers up north. They live in Hebron, but he sends the brothers up north, not, not Joseph, but the older brothers, the ten, up north to Shechem to uh, pasture the flocks. And then eventually he sends Joseph up to check on them and bring them provisions. And, and Shechem is about, you can find this on Google Maps, Shechem is about 70 miles north, but it turns out when Jacob, when Joseph gets to Shechem, they're not there anymore. They've gone further north, about 20 miles further north to Dothan. And then they see Joseph from afar. 
verse 18, they conspired to kill him. And we know that there are two particular brothers who enter into the story here and and sort of stand out for their own particular desires. The vast majority of the brothers, well, eight of them, maybe nine, if we count Judah among them, want to kill Joseph. Let's just get rid of him. Their hatred had reached such a level that they were ready to kill their brother. Reuben says, let's not do that. He knows he can't say, let's just uh, let him off the hook completely. Reuben is smart enough to know that I've got to do something. Let's, Let's throw him down in this pit. That's what they end up doing. According to the text of Scripture, the the motivation of Reuben is to completely save Joseph. Reuben is not in on the idea of selling Joseph. Reuben is not in on the idea of killing Joseph. Reuben, the oldest of the brothers, wants to restore Joseph to his father. That is his motivation. It's his motivation alone. None of the other brothers are into that. They throw him down in this pit then they see these Ishmaelites or Midianites, the, the Bible uses both terms, passing by, and they, they decide, Judah has, comes up with the idea, well, let's see what he says. What profit, this is verse 26, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him. It looks to me, and I think it probably looks to you like Judah is more callous even than the other brothers here because he, he doesn't want to kill the brothers only because he wants to make a profit off of his brother Joseph. Josephus proposed that what Judah is assuming here is that once we sell our brother into slavery, well, you know, you know what happens to most slaves. They're going to end up dead pretty soon anyway. So Joseph is going to end up dead before too long, and we won't have our hands bloody with his death. We can just let other people do it and make a buck in the transaction. Now, Philo... When he read the passage, he thought that Judah was actually motivated to save the life of Joseph. I just can't see it the way Philo sees it. I think Joseph has it right. Josephus has it right. Judah is hard-hearted, maybe even more so than the other brothers. They, they, They throw Joseph into the pit as they think about whether or not to, to kill him, you see what it says they do after they throw him into the pit. Verse 25, then they sat down to eat. You think you could do that in that situation? Sit down and enjoy a meal with your brothers? Later on, we're going to learn in in chapter 42, verse 21, we're going to learn that in this moment, Joseph was in that pit pleading with his brothers. Do you think you could throw your brother into a pit and then sit down and eat 
while he's crying out to you from that pit, pleading for his life? This is a story about hatred. The Bible says it's a story about hatred. The brothers hated Joseph. I've said that the brothers had reason for hating Joseph. And you might think that that way of looking at this story, in a sense, blames the victim. Well, I don't don't feel like I'm blaming the victim. I'm not saying that Joseph is at fault for what came to happen to him. But I think we will rarely find ourselves in the position of Joseph. I think we are commonly in the position of these brothers. We commonly see other people who live the blessed life, who are more favored in all kinds of ways, more favored than we are. Money and talent, opportunities that we do not enjoy And we find ourselves in the position of those brothers, and the point for us in reading a story like this is, can we imagine ourselves hating like those brothers hated? We live in a world of hate. We live in a world that teaches us to hate. Donald Trump has now been indicted four times in four jurisdictions over the past four months. There are people that would love to see him rot in prison. Some of them, at least, think that he is a dangerous person. There are people who think the Biden crime family is a danger to America, and they would love nothing more than to see members of the Biden crime family, various of them, I'm thinking a couple in particular, rot in prison, and that danger to come to an end. What scripture insists that we understand, and it insists it over and over again, is no matter how dangerous we think Donald Trump is, no matter how dangerous we think the Biden crime family is, our own hatred of them is much more dangerous to us. So I don't think I'm blaming the victim to try to understand what is the origins of this hatred and how do we guard against it. We read this story, and I'm sure that we would like to say, I would never 
do that. I would never be able to eat a meal while my brother pleads with me from a pit. I would never plot to kill. I would never want to sail into slavery. I would never shout, crucify, crucify. Yet all too easily, that hatred stirs up inside us. The story of Joseph is a warning to us. Will we follow the way of the world or the way of our Lord Jesus Christ? Thank you.